Um, the, stri- the scripture this week is from Isaiah 9, 2-7, and Romans 16 and 20. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A, da- a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. Yes, For as in the day of Medean's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that binds them, burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let me see this. All right, well, uh, it feels like Christmas season is, is really here now, right? Yeah. We had a good week. We got some snow this week. Everybody, I think you probably got your trees up. There's lights everywhere. Uh, you know, downtown looks, looks beautiful now. 106.7 is playing the bad Christmas music all the time, you know. Taylor Swift and Boy George and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So here's the question. Is it working yet? Is the world merry and bright? Are we in a winter wonderland? Do we feel the way that people want us to feel? Do we feel like we're full of joy and and peace? Not really, right? This time of year, it usually brings up this sort of disconnect, right? It brings up the, the disconnect between the way we want to feel... The way our culture is telling us we're supposed to feel. And then what's really happening in our lives. What's really happening in the world. We're told we're supposed to have a a holly jolly Christmas this year. But we can't, right? Because we can't escape the reality of our real life. And that is why in the church we celebrate Advent. See, Advent is this season in the church calendar where we get to remember that this world needs a Savior. Where we get to remember that we need a Savior. This is the season where the church actually gets to put aside that forced happiness that society is trying to put on us, and instead we get to look ahead to Jesus' return. To that day when he's going to come and he's going to bring real peace and real joy and real love, the kind that isn't going to go away. Here's a quote I read this week, and I really liked it. I'm going to share it with you. It kind of sums up this idea. This pastor said, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas just like the ones I used to know. Just like the ones I used to know. Those are the, the operative words. Because during Christmas... We always hear this suggestion that the dream is behind us. That the way to happiness is to go back to our past. And so sentiment 
nostalgia. It plays this big role in our Christmas observances. We, we bring out the ornaments that we loved when we were kids. We put out little 19th century towns with people that are dressed up like Charles Dickens books. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? I love doing that stuff. We have decorations at our home. But it does illustrate this tendency to romanticize the past. But this pastor says, Advent is exactly the opposite of that. Nostalgia and sentiment, they have no place in this season. There were no golden days of yore. And Advent refuses to dwell in a past that never existed. Advent is about the future. It's a season not about remembering something that happened a really long time ago, but it's a season of preparation for the great coming day of the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. And so with that in mind, today we're going to talk about peace. Uh Real peace. We're going to look at these passages that we read, and, and, and I want us to see a couple of things. I want us to see that peace... Real peace, it comes at a cost. It's available for us, and we can access it today. So peace comes at a cost, it's available for us, and we can access it today. All right, so peace comes at a cost. The verse that we read at the very end, Romans 16, 20, it's not a verse, I'm going to be honest, I had never really thought much about that verse until this week. It comes near the end of a book, usually by that time I'm kind of, thinking about what's coming next. It's in the final verses. But it's a benediction. Say that word, benediction. Benediction. You know what that means? Good word. It's the good word. We say that at the end of all of our services. It's a a blessing that the pastors pronounce as we leave. And a lot of times, these benedictions, they start with the words, the God of peace. So we have one that says, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. We got another one. May the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? This one, though, what's it say? The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. It's not the most peaceful thing, right? When I think about a, a peaceful God, when I think about peaceful things to do, I usually don't think about crushing things. But that's what it says. And it's so important for us to understand it. Peace can only come when the enemy is defeated. Peace, true peace, only comes after victory. We have that Isaiah passage, the very famous Isaiah passage. Unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will rest upon his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and of peace, there will be no end. That's peace. But how did they get there? How did it come to this place where this Prince of Peace was reigning? Well, look right ahead of it. The verse right before. I think I I can even pull it up here on the screen. Maybe not. You open your Bibles. That'll help. (laughs) It's Isaiah chapter 9, and it says in verse 4, As in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke 
that burdens them, and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors, every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be as fuel for the fire. And then it says, unto us a child is born. What is that? What is that? Well, it's a picture of a decisive victory. God's enemies have been so utterly defeated that their boots are gathered up and their blood-soaked clothes are gathered up and they are burned and destroyed forever. Peace follows victory. Maybe my favorite example uh, comes from Handel's Messiah. I think you heard last week my wife got tickets for that. She didn't invite me. It's okay, I mean, it's, it's just one of my favorite things, but, you know, it's fine. But in that, in that uh, if you've never seen it before, it's classical music. Every word of it comes straight from Scripture. They're just basically singing the Bible to this beautiful music. And near the beginning is uh, this booming voice who sings this passage from Haggai and Malachi. He says, Thus saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts, Yet once in a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations, and the desire of all the nations shall come. And then he says, The Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come into his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, with whom you delight, and behold, he shall come. Thus saith the Lord. And it's this triumphant moment. It is the moment that we've all been waiting for. It's the moment when the Prince of Peace has finally come. He sits on the throne. He reigns. But right after that, this high-pitched falsetto voice starts to sing. And it's haunting. And he said, it's like he's saying, hey, wait a minute. And he sings, but who may abide? In the day of his coming. And who will stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire. See, when God comes to wipe out his enemies, Handel knew this. When he comes to crush Satan and all who are with him, when he comes to wipe out unrighteousness, the question is who could possibly stand? Who's going to be left? None of us are holy. Scripture tells us no one, no one, not even one of us is righteous. And that is the tension of the season of Advent. See, every year we get closer and closer to the real day when the Prince of Peace is going to come and he's going to wipe out all evil and he's going to wipe out all sin. He's going to bring justice to the oppressed. He's going to set the captives free. He's going to crush Satan under our feet once and for all. The day is not far off when we are going to have real, lasting peace on earth. That peace is coming. It's fact. It's assured. But it's going to come at a cost. When he comes, who's going to stand? He's like a refiner's fire. Who can possibly stand up to God's holiness, his majesty, his perfection? Hallelujah. And that brings me to the second point. 
Although peace comes at a cost, Scripture tells us that peace is actually available to us. Us unholy people. When we, when we frame it this way, when we look at these passages, it kind of seems a little scary, right? Maybe a little brutal that for God's peace to come, he's got to wipe out all his enemies. But Scripture tells us things didn't start out that way. You remember Genesis 1, right? Surely we've, we've made it to Genesis 1 in our Bible reading. It tells us how when God created the world, after every little day, he says that he made it good, right? At the very end of Genesis 1, it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very, very good. good. That was the way things started. It started with a moment of peace, of of perfect peace. Actually, it was more than peace. It was was shalom. Say that. Say shalom. Shalom Shalom is, is a treasure. It's one of the Hebrew Bible's greatest words. We translate it to peace, and, and it certainly means peace, but it's bigger than that. Shalom's bigger than, than just peace. It's, it's perfect harmony. Can you imagine that? A world of perfect harmony where men and women, they're not separated from God. Where they're not separated from each other. Where they're not separated from this creation That we're a part of. Shalom, it means perfect harmony. Everything the way it was meant to be with God at the center. And the story of scripture, it tells us that's how the world was created. That's how the world was. And guess who messed it up? It wasn't God, right? We messed it up. We are the ones that broke shalom. We did it through our rebellion. We did it through our sin. First in the garden, in the garden of Eden, but but every day since then too. In the book of Colossians, Paul tells us that we are now, by our very nature, against God. And we are against his peace. He says, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. We're all born into this world as enemies of God. Our friendship with the world, our allegiance to our own selfish desires and and against God's holy desires, against his law, has made us enemies of God. It's made us enemies of his peace. It's our fault. Shalom is gone. But you know something that I think is kind of amazing? Even though shalom has gone, even though we've never experienced a world of perfect peace, even though you and I have never lived in a world where things are the way they should be, we all still want it. We all still have this instinct for shalom that is written on our hearts. God created us with this basic longing, even though we've never lived in a world without pain. We've never lived in a world without distress. We've never lived in a world where uh, there is perfect justice, right? We live in a world where 
sometimes the guilty do go unpunished. Sometimes the wicked do prosper. And there's crime and there's violence. But we still have this sense that it's not right. That it's not the way it's supposed to be. We know that racism and and violence and hatred and fear, and we even know that death is wrong. We long for shalom because we were made for it. And here's the good news. This is the great news of, of this passage in Romans. It tells us that our God is not the God of making enemies, but He is the God of what? Peace. The God of peace. He is in the business of making peace. This is the most beautiful thing about our gospel. That when the powerful king came, when he triumphantly entered, he came in a way that nobody expected. Unto us, a child is born. At Christmas, we think about the little baby Jesus, surrounded by Mary and Joseph and and maybe some barnyard animals in there and some warm lighting. And we make it this very sentimental moment. But if we really understood the story, we'd realize that humble scene That was an act of war. That baby came to deal the death blow to Satan. He came to free us all from his grasp. Like the song says, right? To save us all from Satan's power while we had gone astray. King Jesus, when he came, instead of burning the blood-stained clothes of his enemies, we find that he made peace by the blood of the cross. Instead of crushing us, he allowed himself to be crushed. Because no one could stand when he appeared, he stood in our place. And he took what we deserved. He took the wrath of God for us. And that is the real peace that we have right now. As Christians, we we are rebels. We are disobedient. We are often unfaithful. And yet, through faith in Jesus, we have a full pardon for our crimes. Paul says, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. We have peace with God through faith. In our Lord Jesus Christ. And that peace, that peace is, is bigger than the world's peace. That peace goes beyond our circumstances. That peace is everlasting. That peace is unshakable. That peace, that peace with God is ours right now. And so in the midst of this stress and turmoil that is our our daily life, in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our failings, we have this solid foundation. Peace with God. And it can't change. In Christ, right now, we've already got a little taste 
of Shalom. Now the day when he's going to come and he's going to reign, that's still ahead. But right now, we can find true peace by faith in him. But how do we do that? How do we access that peace? How can we know it today? I mean, that's kind of what we'd like to know. A Christian's peace, first you need to know, is it's just not what the world tells us. It's not what the world is selling us as peace. The way that a Christian finds peace is different from the way anyone else in the world finds peace. You know, in the world, what do they tell you? They tell you that if you want peace, you need to escape your reality. Right? If, you're need, if you want peace, you need to get away. Go on a vacation. Go to Hawaii for a couple of weeks. You're going to find peace there. Or if you can't go to Hawaii, they say, just go to that happy place inside your head. You know, remove yourself. Meditate. Amen. You'll find inner peace. And if you can't do that, well, just do what everybody else is doing. Sing happy songs. Decorate your home with gingerbread houses. Spend yourself into debt buying presents you can't afford. And pretend like everything's okay. That's how you'll find peace. But the world tells us peace comes when we escape the pain of our reality. But not a Christian's peace. See, the peace of faith, it doesn't come when we run away from the world. It doesn't come when we escape our reality, but it comes when we lean into reality. Not from denying what's really going on, but from believing what is truly happening in this world. If we want to know peace, then we need to see through the lies of the world's empty promises and rest in the eternal truth of God. We need to see through the lies that the world is selling us and rest in the truth that God has given us. We don't ignore our pain. We acknowledge it. We don't deny our sin, right? We repent of it. We're honest about it. We talk about our struggle. We don't Put on a happy face, right? Now, in the church, we do rejoice, right? We rejoice with those who rejoice. But, but we also can mourn with those who mourn. While we're doing that, while we're mourning, we look forward in hope. Because we know that this pain we're in, it won't last forever. The God of peace, what does Paul say? The God of peace is coming soon yes. to crush Satan under our feet. Because we know the king is coming, we're able to have him. We're able to face the broken things in this world and the broken things in our lives. And we don't have to be afraid and we don't have to live in denial. We can, we can look at our, the, that lingering reality of our, our shortcomings, our failings, our, our hardships, because this is not the end of the story. Amen. The world is broken. 
Life is painful. It really is. But we have a God who loves us. And he's promised that he's going he's to redeem this place someday. Someday he is going to bring justice for the oppressed. He's going to bring harmony to our broken relationships. He's going to bring good news to the poor and liberty to those who are bound. A few weeks ago, I got to go to a training for pastors for counseling. And we sat down with this uh, doctor who is teaching us uh, about how we can do a better job when we meet with people and, and encourage them. And he said something that I thought was really profound. He said that most people, he's a Christian counselor, and he said most people come for counseling because they've lost hope. That the difficulties in their life, maybe it's from the pain of a broken marriage. Maybe it's from a family history of abuse. Or maybe it's financial struggles or illness or the death of a loved one. Or maybe it's just the daily grind of living an ordinary life. But for whatever reason, they've lost hope. And they've, they've lost it to the extent that they're willing to come to another person and pay them money to have it restored. But he told us, whether it's a counselor or whether it's a pastor or whether it's a Christian brother or sister, there's only one way to restore someone's hope. He said, you have to teach them to look beyond the horizon of their life. You've got to lift their eyes so that instead of being focused on, on their story and where it's going, they can see a little further. They can see the big picture, the true story of what God is doing, what He's promised to do. That's what Advent offers you today. This reminder that through Christ, peace is coming. Through Christ, peace is here. And one day, not too far off, who knows how soon it is, the God of peace will return and he will crush Satan under our feet. And we're going to experience in that day, we're going to experience the world the way it was meant to be. Shalom. Perfect harmony with God at the center. So wherever you are this week, I want to challenge you there. I want to challenge you very simply to come to Jesus in faith. To come to him this morning in honesty. Maybe today you might be in that place where you need to confess that, that if you are looking at your life, you are still amongst the enemies of God. That your whole life you have been living not for his glory, but for your own. Maybe today what you need to do is surrender. To bow the knee for the first time. If you do, you'll receive his mercy, his grace.
His forgiveness. You will receive peace with God. Or maybe, if you're already a Christian, which I know many of us are, but maybe you're in that place where you just feel really far from peace. You've allowed yourself to be pulled back into unbelief, worry, fear, doubt. If that's you, I want to I tell you, you don't have to deny those things. You don't have to act like that's not your reality. You don't have to act like that's not your life. But I want you to offer it up to him. And remember the promises that he's spoken. I want you to lift up your eyes. He's the God of peace. He's coming again to save. And one day soon, he will crush Satan under our feet. Let's pray.